If you're disappointed, if you're hurt, if you're angry, feel the raw emotion of it. Do not buy into the stories. Do not spin around in them and spool them up and make them bigger and stew in them and let them like drag you down. You hear the story, do your best to set it aside, get an amazing coach like Sandy to help you, (laughs) you know, reframe (laughs) it, feel your emotions, and then come back to what is it that you want? This is episode number 527 with Stephanie Zamora. Breaking free from self-sabotage, one of my most favorite topics. So many of us get very, very caught in that spiral of self-doubt, self-sabotage. We beat ourselves up and it really takes us away from the life and the love that we desire. So I can't wait to talk to Stephanie about this topic. I'm Sandy Wiener, and welcome back to Last First Date Radio, where we believe it is never too late to go on your last first date. And to support you on your journey to lasting love, I wrote a book, and it's called Becoming a Woman of Value, How to Thrive in Life and Love. And it's filled with 30 exercises, tips, and stories that have to do with building your core confidence to show up, stand up, and speak up on your journey to lasting love. So if you would like a copy, you can find it now on Amazon for Kindle or paperback. This week's tip from the book is step number 28, lean back. In work, we're told as women, we should lean in. And in dating, I believe that we need to stop trying to control everything and lean back. One of the biggest issues that I found in my marriage before I got divorced was I was taking over for everything my husband didn't do. And I think it's pretty common that we in relationships, instead of really working things through, that we want somebody to do more planning or to show up more, but we're taking up all the space. And so when you lean back, you give someone an opportunity to show up for you. So my challenge to you this week is whether it's in dating or work or any part of your life, if you are over functioning, try leaning back, ask for what you want, and then lean back and see if, see if somebody will step forward. It's a dance. And before I bring Stephanie on, I want to give a shout out to my fantastic Facebook group. It's called Your Last First Date. And if you're a woman over 40 and you would like to be in a positive environment to discuss dating challenges and triumphs, join us there. We have seven incredible moderators who keep this group safe and sane. We have inspiring posts, and this is not a place where you just come and complain and bitch and moan about how horrible men are, how horrible dating is. That is not going to move you forward to your last first date. So join us there at your last first date. And now for my guest, Stephanie Zamora. She is an author and a coach. She is a business and marketing strategist, and she is the founder of Stephanie Zamora Media. It's a digital media and production company, a publishing house, and a full service life purpose development, branding, and online marketing boutique. She merges the worlds of personal development, digital media, and online marketing to help People build purpose-driven lives and businesses, and she's been doing this for over a decade. Welcome to the podcast, Stephanie. Thank you, Sandy. I'm so excited to be here. You have some interesting terms that you use around self-sabotage. One of them is winning strategy. Tell us about your winning strategy and how it contributes to self-sabotage. 
Yes, this is my favorite topic. So our winning strategy is a strategy that gets developed when we're very young. I don't know how familiar your audience is with subconscious programming, but until about the ages of five to seven, sometimes a little bit longer, our subconscious mind is wide open. So everything that happens, it just comes in. We have no ability to accept or reject the information and we have no ability to discern how we want to interpret it and internalize it. And so this subconscious piece forms the basis of our winning strategy. And we start to believe based on what we've experienced on that subconscious level, some things are possible and others are not. And in order to stay safe, secure, and successful, we believe that we have to show up and behave in certain ways. And so we carry this winning strategy with us. And it's so deeply rooted that we don't even know it's there. We don't know that it's shaping our worldview completely in the way that we interpret everything that's happening, the way that we, again, believe what's possible and not possible, what, like how things should be or shouldn't be. And this strategy has allowed us to achieve a certain level of success, safety, security, love, money, whatever it is, like it is how we learn to play the game of life. And it's the very thing that keeps us from what it is that we want, because it's inherently rooted in the belief that we can't have certain things. So when we're activating this winning strategy, which we're doing all of the time until we're conscious of it, we're pushing the things that we really want away and reinforcing the belief that it's not possible for us. And when it comes to relationships, for those who have a history similar to mine of repeatedly dating the wrong partner <laughs> um, or certain self-sabotaging behaviors that show up in relationships, like the way that we cause conflict without realizing it, or we sabotage something that might be really good, or we somehow manage to keep the type of partner and relationship that we really desire just so far out of reach it comes down to the same strategy that has allowed you to be successful in other areas of your life and even, even other relationships. So shining a conscious light on this is huge for self-sabotage. Really interesting the way you call it the winning strategy. And I totally, totally get how it develops early on and we're so unconscious. I, it's yeah. amazing how we just go through life and <laughs> I'm actually writing a book called Choice Points in Dating, and it's all about the choices we have. And every step of the way, we're at choice, but we don't feel we are. and right. or, or we get overwhelmed by the paradox of choice and having too much choice, and then we shut down around that too. Absolutely. And so, yeah, it's like once you start to unravel some of these concepts and realize that you can actually change the beliefs and change your thoughts, everything changes for the better. Choice, you're right, is so important. And the thing with the subconscious and the winning strategy is we believe we're making conscious choices, but until we're aware of the subconscious elements at play, we're not actually free to make conscious choices because we don't understand the lens that we're seeing everything through and experiencing everything through. So choice is so powerful. And if you're not conscious to the subconscious, you're not actually in control of that. Yeah. So let's dive a little deeper into that because people get really scared of what's out there, how, like even going deeper within, I've seen so many people who are just totally blocked to 
really seeing their part or how how they contributed to what is going on in their life. And at first, I, I'm just curious, as a friend of mine who I work, we do boundaries courses together. And she said to me, how do people like me and you find answers and find solutions and look for them, even if we grow up in dysfunction and we have had a lot of these beliefs and other people are just so blocked to moving forward. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. I love that question. I would love to hear every answer to that that's (laughs) ever been shared. For me, I think part of it was personality. I'm very, and have always been very existential. So my business is built around purpose because purpose has always been something that fascinated and frustrated me. And I am one of those people who felt like I was born on the wrong planet at the wrong time. Like I don't fit in. I don't belong here. The world doesn't make sense to me. So I think I was pretty pre-wired for curiosity and questions and always just had this intuitive sense. I don't know if it came from somewhere because it came up so young that all of the things that felt like they were wrong or not working or even broken in me, I had this knowing that it was like, it's because something's not aligned. And I wouldn't have used that language back then, but it was this knowing that I'm not happy or this isn't right for me or something's, something's missing here. And if something's missing here, if I can understand what that is, couldn't I fix it or change it or add to it or something? So I think for me, it was part personality and that intuitive questioning of like, well, if this isn't it, what is, and if I can't figure it out on my own, who can help me and a willingness to be a beginner and Definitely, I have a personality that I go deep. So when it comes to healing and growth, I will bottom out in it so hard to make sure that I understand all of it and I've cleared all of it. And I think that that's helped me tremendously as well as because that's scary to go deep into our stuff and to face ourselves and our patterning and our beliefs and our wounds and our traumas, which we all have. It's terrifying and it's difficult work. So it's completely normal that we would avoid it. But the more that we do it, I learned the more that I dropped deep into it, the happier I became. Yeah. That's, that's kind of the paradox. Like it feels so scary and for a while it can be and very disruptive, but I love your answer. And I think there's so much truth to me in your answer and, and in, in the person who I'm talking to about the boundaries courses, it's, recognizing, first of all, the, the desire to go deep has always been part of my nature too. And I, you know, if you look at my high school yearbook, I was the go-to person to come to with problems. Like it was always me. And I think we have this nature and I do think the intuition piece is huge too. And I know that intuitively I sought out healthier people. I looked for guides because I couldn't find them around me. And I think that knowing that you're being pulled to something bigger, something else. And when I, when I got divorced, part of the catalyst to going into coaching was wanting to make a bigger impact, knowing that I underperformed most of my life. And really we have so much potential that we don't reach and so much of what the work is that you're doing. So I I totally relate to everything that you're saying and doing. 
I love that. And I would add too, and it sounds like you might have this piece as well, like radical personal responsibility, especially when I look at relationships, because I have never claimed for that to be my zone of genius, at least historically, I've done a lot of healing and growth around romantic relationships. But what I have done throughout all of the bad relationships that I've had is I have said, okay, like, what was my role in this? Like, why do I keep ending up in this pattern and being willing to look and take radical responsibility, which I don't believe applies to things like abuse. Like you're not responsible if you have abuse in your relationship story. For me, it's been looking at, okay, I'm the common denominator here. What's the work that I need to do to align with the right people and to make healthier choices and to not fall prey to my attachment wounding and all of that. So radical responsibility, I think has always been a part of my personality as well. Yeah. And just to address the abuse part, um, and then we'll move back into our topic for today. It's all related, but um, I believe that even though we didn't choose abuse, we didn't, uh, it's a horrible thing to go through. I do believe that the choice is to leave or to stay and, or to get help. And, and if heal. you can't and to heal, and there's a reason why abuse comes into our lives. And again, not to blame or shame anyone. I've certainly had my share of abusive um, people in my life, whether it's verbal abuse, never physical abuse, but definitely have had verbal abuse and it eventually fueled me and got me to feel to find the tools to become empowered. Yeah. But I didn't know what to do in the moment always. And yeah. maybe I got angry. Maybe the anger had clues as to what I needed to do with my life. But I do believe that we need to look at the part that we're responsible for. And often if there's a naivete, there's, there's abuse in your past, there's a lack of self-worth, you know, there's worth, and there's, there's so much we can do again to heal from abusive relationships. Let's go to another term, uh, the terror barrier. <laughs> and you say that, that it causes most people to stop short of their goals. So first of all, what is it? And how do we navigate it in an easier manner? Yes, I learned about this concept from a mentor who learned it from their mentor. And the terror barrier is essentially, as we go through day-to-day -day life, there's normal ebbs and flows, ups and downs. And there's a level of that that we are comfortable with, and our, especially our subconscious, which does not like change. So when we move towards something that we desire, and that could look like in our conversation here, it could look like doing the healing work to get ready for the right relationship. It could look like going on a date with somebody that feels different from the pattern and like a really amazing person. It could be moving in like all of the aspects of relationships that feel big and scary that we desire that are different from what we're used to. Anytime that we take a step towards what we want and away from the known and familiar, our subconscious throws a fit. Its only job is to keep us safe and alive and to it change equals certain death. It doesn't know that you can survive saying yes to that amazing person and going on that date. It doesn't know that you can survive doing the healing work. You might consciously really desire the changes, but subconsciously, even if what you're known and familiar is, is painful, it knows you can survive that. So whatever it is that you're moving towards, 
the moment that we commit, decide, take a step towards it, the normal ups and downs go like this, (laughs) like (laughs) all hell breaks loose. Life goes to chaos. Everything is going wrong. You are self-sabotaging like crazy. You're activated. You might have like trauma triggers come up. Anything that your subconscious can cause you to create that's chaos or anything that it can fixate on to trigger those fears and core wounds and limiting beliefs, like it will activate. So you're moving along and you think, I'm going to go on a date with this great person. And next thing you know, like you've fallen and sprained your ankle, your car won't start. You spilled water on your laptop. You got an unexpected bill. And you're just like, oh my God, nothing's working or you miscommunicate with the person or you find yourself in one of those old patterns, whatever it might be, where you cause chaos and drama in the relationship. And because of our subconscious and our core wounding, we internalize what's happening and we interpret it as this isn't right for me. This is not safe. I'm not capable of doing this. Um, It's a sign from the universe. See, I knew I wasn't supposed to be in a good relationship. I knew I wasn't supposed to try healing. Everything just got worse. Like we reinforce the story that causes us to revert to the known and familiar. And so that's the pattern of self-sabotage. Every time you try to move towards something, everything goes chaotic. Everything hits the fan. All of a sudden you're in like your deepest wounds and emotions and stories and everything's hard. You go back and you will cause some of those things. Your subconscious will influence your behaviors And in other cases, it will fixate on something. So you get the unexpected bill and suddenly you're in a spiral of how worthless you are and incapable you are. And nobody's going to want to date somebody who's in debt. And all these stories, you go backwards, you cancel the date, you ghost them, whatever. And so what we need to understand to move through it is that it's completely normal. Like absolutely nothing is wrong. Your subconscious is just throwing a tantrum. And when you can simplify it, down to what's happening. It doesn't mean that you're not stressed. doesn't mean that chaos isn't still happening, but you can ground yourself in the awareness that my subconscious is freaking out right now. I'm doing something new and different and scary. And if you can weather and that chaos part, the terror barrier part, it looks different every time. Sometimes it's huge. Sometimes it's just a little bit rougher than normal. But either way, it's enough to cause you to go back. And if you can just ride that out, like take care of yourself, keep committing to what you want, get back up as many times as it takes, begin again as many times as it takes, get through to the other side, your subconscious learns, oh, we can survive this. And everything goes, and this is your new baseline on the other side. So it is completely normal and having support, having tools, resources, tons of self-care is how we get through it. But what makes it a little bit more graceful and easeful is understanding like, of course, this is happening. I'm doing something different. I have so many stories in my head that I'm thinking of as you tell about the terror barrier. I've never heard the term before, but I love it. Doesn't it shine light on? <laughs> oh my God, everything. I When I did my TEDx talk, it was like the most terrified I think I've ever been in a public speaking environment and and the anxiety the 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 fear where I almost quit so many times this it's a public stage so many people are going to see me I'm going to fail I'll forget every word I you know and learning for me that that experience required getting support uh finding a good coach 
to help me write the speech, practice the speech, joining Toastmasters, practicing it a thousand times in front of anybody who would listen. And there's something about the practice of something. And I, I just heard a podcast about this this morning on the hidden brain. They were talking about how we sabotage ourselves and how practice is one of the ways that we can overcome fears. And it's so true. I mean, especially the fear of public speaking, which is like death for most people. (laughs) But I also am thinking of a a new client who after one session was ready to quit and it got really scary. And this happens a lot. And she started making everything else a priority. And within five minutes, she sent me another email saying, oh, wait a minute, that was me prioritizing everybody else. And um, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to take care of myself. And this is really important to me. It was like, I love watching her brain go through it. And she just did it again with something else where she was like, this is what I need. And then she goes, what am I thinking? Well, I'm trying to be superwoman. I don't need that. I need this. And so it's seem our reasons, just like your clients. It sounds like they feel perfectly justifiable, reasonable. Like, I mean, this is important. The kids, the bills, the whatever, and it's all your subconscious. Amazing. And just noticing first, noticing what's happening, acceptance, you know, that self-acceptance piece, which you talk about, it's normal. Other people go through this and then really to just ride it out. And we often want to quit so badly, you know, just even I remember dating after my divorce, the first couple of years where I wanted to be chosen and I thought I was going to be judged. I had such a strong self-saboteur that was that judge of yeah, I'm not going to be good enough and I'm too old and I'm too this and I'm too that. And we, we do this to ourselves all the time. We all have our own flavor. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I took a course in positive intelligence that is all about the saboteur. Do you know that program? I haven't, no. It's a certification program. If you're a coach, they have a grant that they give to coaches to take this $1,000 program uh, course for free. And basically... Uh, Sherzad, I forgot his last name. He wrote a book about the saboteur and positive intelligence, and he broke it down into 10 different saboteurs, like the controller, the pleaser, the hyper vigilant, the um, uh, just really interesting, the avoider, and taking really getting into sort of the macro view of sabotaging and to really look at where you fall. It's not just about the judge. And then he talks about the opposite, which is the sage self or the highest self and how you can rise up to that. A lot of what he teaches is doing some form of mindfulness training throughout your day to ground you. Uh, it's a really interesting program and I, I want, uh, yeah, I weave a lot of it into my coaching because I think it's important to have that self-knowledge when you are trying to yes. fix your life. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so you say that there is an important question that we can ask ourselves when we start to spiral into self-doubt and self-sabotage. What is that question? That question is what really happened? And this is such a 
powerful question, but I always want to frame it with, this is not about gaslighting yourself or other people, because that question, especially when you've been gaslit or you've had trauma and abuse, like it's very easy for you to hear that question and question your reality of what you've experienced. So it is not at all from that place. It's very much like the terror barrier piece of let's look at what actually happened so that we can unhook from the stories and interpretations that are causing us to spiral and self-sabotage. So for example, maybe you went on a date, first date, and you thought you were having a great time. You really liked this person, good night kiss at the end of the night, and then they ghost you. All that happened is you went out with someone, your experience of it was a great time. You were hoping to hear from them. And for one reason or another, you did not. That's looking at what happened versus our core wounds and our subconscious taking over and spiraling into story. So that looks different for each of us, depending on our core wounding and winning strategy. But for me, I would say I'm unlovable. I'm, I'm getting old. Like I'm not good enough. Like I wasn't pretty enough or smart enough or interesting enough. I'm, I'm never going to be loved. I'm going to end up alone. We spiral into this thing. That's like our deepest, most painful core wounding. And really all that happened is for one reason or another, you didn't hear from them again. I always say, when we ask this question, like feel your feelings, feelings are life and they're so important. And if we don't feel them, if we don't process them, then they get stored and they cause other issues. But the story, the interpretation of what happened is what causes us to self-sabotage, to stay small, to stay in the known and familiar, to suddenly you're beating yourself up. And now you're saying no to the next person because you're so convinced that something is horrible, horribly wrong with you and no one's ever going to love you. So why go out and get ghosted again when that could be an amazing person that would never ghost you, you know, and the reason that the other person did could be any number of things that are completely irrelevant to who you are as a person and your worth. And so this applies to any situation that doesn't go the way that we want it to, or think it should, because we immediately interpret it in a specific way, which is rooted in our core wounds and our past experiences and makes us feel like garbage (laughs) and keeps (laughs) us from moving forward towards what we want. And so the question, it's actually got three parts, but the first most important grounding question is what really happened and feeling your feelings. If you're disappointed, if you're hurt, if you're angry, feel the raw emotion of it. Do not buy into the stories. Do not spin around in them and spool them up and make them bigger and stew in them and let them like drag you down. You hear the story, do your best to set it aside, get an amazing coach like Sandy to help you, (laughs) you know, reframe (laughs) it, feel your emotions, and then come back to what is it that you want? If you're dating, I would imagine that you're looking for your partner, that you want to be in some kind of healthy relationship, however you define that. And then the third question of that is, so what's next? What's missing for you to have that? And what's missing is not what's wrong, what's not as it should be, what's broken in you or the world and other people. What's missing for you to find your right person is people to date, and get to know, (laughs) or maybe there is from the stories that you experienced with what happened, some healing work to do. So what's missing is not what's wrong and not as it should be. It's what's not here to move me towards what I say I want. And so all of that is about unhooking from that core subconscious stuff so that you have the freedom and the leverage to continue actively creating what you want in a really clean and healthy way. I love it. 
I often use Byron Katie's Is It True, which is similar yeah. um, because we just believe it's true. We immediately, and people say yeah. to me, but it feels true. So the next question is, is it a hundred percent without a doubt true? And they go, Hmm, maybe not, <laughs> you know, and we don't, we don't see anything, but what we believe. And, right. you know, and so in, in dating, I had a client who she has had a lot of resistance to going online to a, a lot of the things that we've talked about to help expand her reach and find the right person. And so she had written me the day before her next session. And she said, I am really struggling, but I haven't gone on match in a month and Bumble is terrible. <laughs> it's like, do you have any other ideas? And I said, go on match, go on Bumble and do all the other things that we've talked about. But so much of it is how are you connecting and what part of you is showing up in the dating process and even going online with like, I'm exhausted I've just come off a day of work and I'm I'm not in the right headspace. You're not going to enjoy the process. And so what's missing is in this case not doing it, coming in with a better attitude. Also something else that you said before about the resources that we have. I think we don't realize that we have incredible resources where we've shown this level of success in other parts of our lives. And it's important to remember that when we're really frightened or shutting down or believe this isn't possible. Let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Music Unlimited. You can listen to over 70 million songs and thousands of playlists and stations. Plus, you can now stream your favorite podcasts like Last First Date Radio. You can listen to any song, anytime, anywhere on any of your devices, your smartphone, your tablet, your PC or Mac, Fire TV, and any Alexa-enabled devices like the Amazon Echo. Get Amazon Music Unlimited for free for 30 days. Just head on over to getamazonmusic.com forward slash last first date to learn more and claim this offer. Well, and it's important I feel the understanding your subconscious and your winning strategy and your core wounds and your past traumas, because that helps further unhook from the story. When you understand that your subconscious needs you to interpret every situation in a certain way to make you feel the certain feelings of your core wounding and, and believe certain stories, because that maintains your worldview. And if our worldview isn't intact, we don't know who we are anymore and we don't know how to function. And even if that worldview is based on really painful core wounds and lies that our subconscious has created, like these stories, we don't know how to exist outside of that worldview. So when we understand, like it's easy to get mad, like stupid subconscious, it's just trying to keep you safe. And you have a certain worldview that was formed when you were itty bitty that it has to maintain, even though it's painful when you believe the stories, but when you can understand that, then it helps you to kind of open to what other paradigms and worldviews are there that I could access if I did my healing work, if I took care of myself, if I kept moving forward, like it, it makes everything less scary. Yeah. I remember one of the big stories I told myself was men will eventually just not show up for you. That was a big one because yeah. that was my experience, both yeah. in my family of origin and in my marriage. 
and it took a lot of unraveling. <laughs> so let's talk about healing, that deep healing, as you've given us a lot of great tips already, but how can we really do that core cellular level here healing that's hard to say cellular <laughs> level <laughs> yes healing on a cellular level i feel is the most important and i'm sure that you have elements of this in your work or ways that you help clients with this because there's so many different ways to do it and it's essentially process work and the reason for that is like intellectually understanding our traumas and our subconscious and the way that we work and like our, our attachments and all of these things that come from when we're young and our family of origin and, and all of our experiences is incredibly helpful and hugely freeing in its own right, but only to a certain degree, because all of the trauma, all of the stored, suppressed, bypassed emotions is in your body. It's in your cells, it's in your bones, it's in your tissues. And so the reason that our trauma triggers and our reactions to things are as charged as they are is because of residual unresolved grief, trauma, unprocessed emotions. And so I'm a big advocate of feel your feelings. <laughs> That's why I said that like, we don't bypass feelings. We feel the raw emotion as fully and productively as we can in the moment so that it moves out of us. Cause that's, emotions are just energy and motion. They want to move. So we let them move and then you have nothing that's getting stored. But because we have grown up, all of us in a world that does not support <laughs> feeling our emotions, doesn't give us tools and skills and resources, and certainly isn't, hasn't historically been very trauma informed. You could have had a perfectly lovely family and childhood, and you still have stuff that's stored. And, and then if you add not so healthy attachment relationships or childhood or relationships along the way, and you weren't able to feel your emotions, you haven't been able to fully process the experience, which is just about moving what's been stored out of your body, then all the intellectualizing and understanding of it can only get you so far. So cellular healing process work, I do a certain type of process work. There's tons of different kinds is very simply about how do we unearth and excavate everything that's still stored in your body and your nervous system so that you have more space and freedom and leverage to make different choices, to interpret things differently, to pause before your habitual reactions or to choose different reactions or choose to respond instead and to not be as triggered or triggered at all by things that historically have made you very emotional, shut down, fly off the handle, whatever your responses are to things, the charge is less and we have so much more space. And so again, there's so many different ways to do this, but it's just like, get it what's been stored that you don't even know is there out of your system. This is such crucial work. And the body, the body doesn't lie <laughs> and it tells the truth. And we're so afraid to go there. I, I just, I love that you said this. It is the, one of the cornerstones of the work that I do as well, because yeah. we often have this cognitive dissonance. We, we understand what's wrong. We think we know, but nothing changes. And why do we keep repeating and repeating? And it's because we're not moving through it and we're not really releasing 
And we don't really feel our feelings. We push them away. All those hard feelings feel really hard. And people don't realize that they linger so much longer because we're not feeling them. It's like so liberating that if you actually felt it and felt it and in a short period of time, they don't live that long, our emotions. Quickly. Yeah. Yeah. And I used to be one of these people who take great pride in like, I'm, I'm so strong and stoic and I just, you know, <laughs> pass hard things. And it's like, mm, you didn't trick your body. It's still in there. <laughs> when I got divorced and my kids saw us as separate parents and separate people, I remember my son saying, I don't ever see you cry. You are a rock. Yeah. And it, it gave me pause that I didn't want to be that rock anymore. I wanted to really access vulnerability, but it was a safety, it was a safety tool to stay strong in difficult times, but it no longer served me to push out emotions. And so we can be strong and feel our feelings. We can be strong and not stoic and feel like we're impenetrable or we don't need support because we can handle everything. Absolutely. I totally agree. Yeah. So finally, Stephanie, this, this, I could talk to you forever. This is such a great conversation, but we do need to end. What is your best advice for anybody who wants to go on their last first date? I love that you asked this question and I'm sure you get so many incredible responses for me. I would say do the work to know yourself fully and learn how to live in total alignment with who you are and just show up fully expressed. I think we get so caught up and I totally related to what you said earlier. I definitely had a piece of like, I just want to feel chosen. (laughs) And so I, my winning strategy was I will be the best version of exactly what you want so that I will feel chosen. I don't have to feel my core wounds and all of that. But if you're not being all of you, you're not aligning with the people that are right for you and you are self-compromising and that takes a toll as well. And so I know for me, I said earlier, I don't consider relationships, my zone of genius romantic, but I feel so much more confident after all the work that I've done, because I have done the work of knowing myself fully and trusting myself fully and having my own back and aligning with the truest version of myself and bringing that full expression forward in every situation. And I know that it's working because I'm seeing a whole different level of people come into my field, romantic options, friendships, clients, because I'm being true to who I am. And that's why I feel purpose work is so important. If you want to go on your last first date, show up as the fullest expression of who you are and let people see who that is so that not so that you can feel chosen. I mean, that's one part of it, like being chosen for who you really are is a whole different level of feeling chosen. But so you know that you're being true to yourself and you can see if they're a fit for you in your life. Beautiful. I love this. I mean, I think that we often feel like we have to be everything to everybody and it's true for business. It's true for life. It's true for our friendships And when we get clear, like what, how can I show up more fully? How can I be more self-expressed? You end up attracting in the right people in all parts of your life. And I have to say that I've had the same experience with clients, with dates, with my relationships, with everyone. 
you know, you just, you, you have to be clear. I, I was having a conversation with a woman today who's in business and her boundaries are not clear. And so when somebody says, well, you know, I want my money back, that should be in a contract that should have been signed before we even had this discussion. And then how do you deal with that, that kind of objection when you're not prepared? And so the same thing with dating, like if somebody doesn't choose you and you've shown up as who you are, it's really not a good fit. And that's all it is. It's and it's not, news. yeah, it is. You know, Thank you. A no, a no moves you forward as much as a yes. Yes. And you need to know your no's and yeses as well. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love this. So Stephanie, tell our audience how they can find you. Everything that you could ever want from me lives on my website. So stephaniezamora.com and I spell my name special S-T-E-P-H-E-N-I-E-Z-A-M-O-R-A. Awesome. So go to stephaniezamora.com, check out all of Stephanie's wonderful work. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. I so enjoyed this conversation. Thank you for having me and thank you for the incredible work that you're doing. Thank you. And thanks everybody for joining us today. And if you love our show, please give us a high rating on Apple Podcasts. We will love you for it. And as always, here's to your last first date. If you are ready to get unstuck, gain new tools, become more empowered, and finally find your last first date, I'd love to talk to you. Fill out an application to be considered for a complimentary half-hour love breakthrough session at lastfirstdate.com forward slash application. That's lastfirstdate.com forward slash application. I look forward to talking to you soon.